0: Hi my name is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today I want to talk about how I would tune or train a horse for the barrels and um, I prefer to train them all the same in the very beginning. I want a super light soft horse that has a super uh, foundation on them and um that is my key of doing everything. And then when I do take them to the dry work, the drills and the barrels, I'm looking for a horse that is balanced and four wheel drive. Um, they're very confident with, uh, collecting and extending strides and transitions from a walk, trot canner back down to a, a trot walk. And, um, you know, they can do a variety of circles, perfect from different size and speed, as well as uh, straight lines, etc. So when I start up on the barrels, every horse is going to have their strengths and their weaknesses, and each horse is an individual. So they're all going to have their own little way of doing things. You might have a horse that's free running, one that's more ratey, one that's more rollback, one that's over overbends, one that might be front end, um, one that's more one-sided than the other, one that might be more up and chargey, know there's a lot of different things you're going to see but i can promise you this if you have a solid foundation on them and you go to back to basics a lot during the week before just going to the barrels you will prevent a lot of problems and there's a fine line you walk with strengths and weaknesses if a horse's strength is a very pivoty rollbacky term I would not allow them to do that during the week. Um, I would treat that as a weakness um, during the week because if a horse gets too rock back and too roll backy, they can either A, lose time, B, hit barrels. Um, so I would keep that horse working on um, more circles and more flex and fluidity and not, um, not doing a lot of woe or roll back or things like that with that horse because they, they come to that too natural. And I don't want to have a horse that's stalling or shortening their stride so much. So flex and fluidity is really key um, with that kind of horse. So Speaking of that, um, you know, the drills are going to help your barrel pattern. Um, some people don't believe in drills. I love drills. I love dry work. I'll do straight line work out in the pasture. I'll do circle work out in the pasture. I do it in the arena where the ground's a little bit more controllable, especially with young horses that are finding their where their feet are and knowing where to put them. Um, and balancing, etc. But I'm looking for perfect four-wheel drive circles. I'm looking for a horse that's very light in the face. I love give and take um, cues. And the reason why I do give and take in my slow work is because I'm trying to teach them to be responsible for themselves. We are supposed to be a team. In the beginning, it might be 80-20. I'm doing most of it. Eventually, it's 60-40. I ask, I help but then I let them do, but eventually it's got to be 50-50 where I ask and they do, and I don't do their job for them. I don't uh, force them to do it. I ask them and let them do it, and that's the difference. We don't want to do their job for them, so if I give a go cue off a light aid, they should go. If I give a rate cue off my body, they should rate. If I give a turn cue from my body, they should turn. My hands and legs simply back up my eyes and my body, Um, I can use my voice if it's helpful. Um, Those are the five rider cues that are going to be used. Sometimes all five, sometimes just one or two. Eyes, body, hands, legs, and uh, voice. So the horse, we have to have the basic super controlled. We have to be able to use their put their face left right and down their neck if we don't want it to overbend or have a little bend shoulder can we put it in can we put it out rib cage can we put it in put it out hips can we put it in put it out can we shorten and extend the strides Um, all of those things the control of the face neck shoulder rib cage and hip is what gives us control of the feet and connect us to the brain all by using give and take cues and um That's really important. So as I start to show them the barrels, I'm gonna show them proper position that I want their body in and the proper pocket that I want, the arc that they need, the spot one, the entrance. Because if I can get to my arc and my spot one, I'm gonna be much more set up correct on the backside to get to my pivot spot and get out of there with the most power and speed I can. And also be set up really nice for my second barrel. Same thing on second barrel. My spot one, my entrance, should be between three to five feet, depending on the horse that I'm on, their size, style, and stride. And then I want to make sure I'm looking and riding into the hole so that I get their back feet to the barrel before they turn. I don't want them turning <clears throat> at their shoulder. For most horses, shouldn't turn until your leg gets the barrel. And we will talk about that. There are horses that are a little bit more front-endy um, and etc. But um, what I'm looking for, again, is that I let them do their job, but it, we're kind of like a, ga- a dance team. I'm a guy dancing and they're a girl dancing. I lead, they follow, but I don't drag them around the dance floor. And that's how it should be. It should be a very fluid team. But yet I think the horse also needs to think for themselves a little bit because it is possible that a rider is going to make mistakes. They're going to put them in a bad spot. They're going to override with their legs or sit late with their body or get handsy or get nervous and uh, tense up. A horse has to be able to say, look, I know my job and do their job rather than responding to a rider error every single time. And that's why it has to be done slow and correct. That's why teaching the barrel should be spent mainly at a walk and a trot, paying special attention to perfection because it's impossible to be perfect in a dead run. I doubt if you go through a whole year, you can look back on your hand and maybe count two two to four runs that you felt like you couldn't improve on. Almost every run you come out of, you could find something you could have done better. And that's how barrel racing is. But you can try to be perfect in your slow work so that you'll be almost, you know, do, doing, you'll be more excellent or, or doing your best, a personal best when you do go fast. And that's why it has to be done at a walk trot because that's going to teach a horse's mind to be relaxed. We want them relaxed in the turn. We don't want them chargey and stressed or or dreading the barrel. I've seen people tune a horse so much and so harshly that they find the barrels to be a scary bad place and you don't want your barrel horse dreading going to a barrel and that's the wrong way to train a horse in my opinion. Those horses are blown up unless Uh, and hate their job unless they're just a super gritty horse that gets along with that gritty trainer. But I I think that's one in a thousand maybe. Um, I just don't believe in training that way. I think it should be easy in, hurry out, relax, and enjoy going into the turn and have fun and run out of the turn. And I want my barrel horses to love their job. I want them to crave turning a barrel. I want them to want to rate and turn. Um, Those are things that you instill at a walk and a trot. You instill in your dry work and your drills. So if you do your dry work and your drills, your foundation training properly, the barrel pattern just comes easy for them. You know, it won't even be a hard thing for them because they're already so automatic and so broke and so... um, you know, prepared with the drills and the dry work that you've accomplished with them. So with that said, you do need to treat every horse as an individual. You do want proper position around the barrels and proper pockets. If I have a really ready horse, I'm going to work big circles around the barrels. Um, if this horse really hunts a barrel and they get kind of too setty, where they're wanting to shut down three strides out of the barrel and they're wanting to get in tight on the turns, I'm going to work big circles and I might do it, you know, at a, uh, you know, just kind of depend if they're laid back or hot, but I might do it at a post trot. It might do it at a sit jog, depending on if they're collected or not, because I don't want to teach them to swing their butt or anything like that. But I will work bigger circles around that horse and work on the fluidity aspect of it and working around the barrel instead of wanting to turn the barrel. So I want to change their mindset a little bit. If I'm on a free runner who just wants to really get by a barrel, that horse I'm going to do more transitions. I'm going to do more collection work. I may even work spirals around that barrel and work, um, you know, a large, medium, and small barrel. circle around each barrel with them and if they really get heavy and ignore me I might stop and back them up at my rate point if they're not transitioning off my body from an extended canter to a collected lope or a post trot to a sit jog um, or from a trot to a walk. Um, If they do ignore me I will uh, sit say whoa take my legs off. And if they don't respond, I'm going to use my hands and, and then back them up a few steps with my voice body and legs and my hands being the wall. Um, so that would be what I do on that horse. If I have a horse again, that's I mentioned earlier, like a really rollback stiff type horse, and maybe they can stall out in if you get them too deep. Rollback horses, timing is hard. If you set up too soon, you'll hit a barrel. If you ride too deep, you'll stall. So that can be an amazing run when it's put together just right, but it's also a harder run uh, to ride and timing has to be perfect. So during the week on that horse, I'm going to try to ride them like their four wheel drive and work on flex and fluidity. Um, I don't want them setting that pivot foot so hard and roll backing so hard. The next horse is that bendy horse, um, that horse that wants to over bend their head and their neck and then let their shoulder or their hip float away from the barrel that's not good either. So that kind of horse, I'm going to ride them two hands more. I may even work squares around the barrel where I really ride their hip to spot one, spot two, spot three, and just keep them balanced between my hands, shoulders, and hips and literally ride a square. I may half halt, meaning a little slight pause at each quarter turn, Um, but I'll be riding a square versus a circle on that horse because they are too bendy and we want to stiffen them up a little bit. You can also try a different bit that might um, stiffen them up a little bit as well. Something with maybe a uh, a -a hackamore or a a slight uh, straight line uh, molin port, something like that. You know, every horse is going to be different on what they like or don't like. So um, bits aren't going to fix problems, okay? Uh, A bit more knowledge, a bit more training will, but a bit, whether it's a -a hackamore side pull or a bit, it, it's more what you're comfortable in with your hands and what they're comfortable in with their face and their mouth so find what works for them knowing that there are bits that offer less rate more rate more bend more stiffness um, and it is just about finding a mouthpiece they like a feel that they like um, from the purchase the shank you know the the leverage um, the lightness of it you know that kind of thing so you know most barrel racers we have 40 bits in our horse trailer and we use five because we find there are certain ones that we just get along with the best and can do most of our work out of. Okay so the horse that drops in on the front end That horse, I'm going to work on standing them up a lot. I'm going to work on circles where I can really pick up their shoulder and ride their hindquarters to each quarter turn. I may use a barrel in the middle and do spirals or or a single barrel or D pattern. And I'm going to really work on the collection before the barrel where I feel the weight shift to the hindquarters. Again, foundation is key. This horse has to know how to vertically flex. Uh, not just laterally, so that I can put them on their hindquarters. When I use my body in two hands, I can shorten the stride. Then I can pick up the shoulder laterally and have that shoulder elevated, guide the nose a little to the inside, but ride the pivot foot more. I want to try to make that front endy horse more like the rollbacky horse and the rollbacky horse more like the, um, you know, four-wheel drive horse. So you kind of want to take, again, talking about strengths and weaknesses, Sure, maybe some of your best runs on that horse, they've kind of thrown you over the handlebars, but if you let them do that when you practice or when you warm up, it's going to become a disaster and you're going to start hitting barrels or losing time or worse. Um, any horse that's not four-wheel drive and they're worse on turning on their hind end or their front end are going to tear up that side of their body more too. So you have to look at it from that aspect too. A front endy horse is going to be real hard on those front feet. A rollback horse is going to be real hard on those hawks. So by trying to train and keep a horse balanced in four-wheel drive and um, good form, you not only have a horse that's safer, especially if you find yourself on bad ground um, because they are balanced and stood up uh, versus a horse that's laying down or strung out. Um, Not only are they safer, but they're using their body more conservatively. And some horses... Are more careful where they put their feet, and others are not. And um, that's why you don't want a horse counter bending into a circle. Um, in in a run because that can be very unsafe. The shoulder's dropping in, the hip is swinging out and therefore a horse can really eat dirt and take you down with them. So we don't want slips and falls and that's why it's important. Now, do I do nose in, nose out? Absolutely. If I have a horse that's really one-sided or maybe a horse that's super nervous, I will do nose in, nose out, shoulder in, shoulder out Drills. When I put the nose in, the shoulder goes up and out, and that puts the hip in and under. When I put the nose out, that puts the shoulder in and puts the hip out automatically, gravity. So I will trot some circles like that and I will do nose in, nose out for a quarter turn or half a turn or even a full circle. It can also relax a hotter horse. It can also make a stiffer horse more supple. So if I have a horse that is definitely one-sided, I might have to move my hand more forward on their stiff side and do quicker bumps with my hand and leg to help them be a little lighter. If they're a little bit softer, I might be able to, um, do less bumping and keep my hand back in the six inch box a little bit closer to the saddle horn rather than closer to the ears. Um, and you got to think about that when you're riding, it's important you stay in that six inch box. Sure. We all have barrow racing photos with our hand to the side or up too high or, you know, crossing the withers or whatever, but that's not where we want to be. Did the photo catch us in that moment? trying to save a turn or something, being out of position, whatever, yes. But we don't wanna practice that way. We wanna practice the six-inch box Horn high, never above the horn, never beneath the withers, not pulling down to the side, not crossing the withers. Um, we want to have a go cue, a rate cue, and a shape cue, and always stay in a six inch box. And if you keep it that simple with give and take cues, um, thumbs up when you're riding two hands or one hand straight lines, but you can go flat knuckle. And when you're trying to put your hand low and forward to stay off their head in a turn, you know, and that allow a horse to work. And then you can just pick your thumb back up, uh, thumbs up if you need to shape them or help them. But then you can go flat knuckle when you're trying to let them work. So, These are all little finesse things that as you get more accomplished, you start to pay attention to. What you don't want to do is be pulling on a horse because generally you pull on them, they pull on you. So keep that in mind as well. Um, It is important our horses are ambidextrous. It's important that we become ambidextrous. Some riders are very one-sided as well. So by practicing your weak side a little bit more than your strong side, you will become more ambidextrous as will your horse. And speaking of that, um, actually, let me talk about one more horse before I go into that. But the chargey horse, um, the horse that wants to charge into a turn and then stall out, that goes back to if they were trained properly from the get go, the way that I train always easy in, hurry out. Um, figure eights with a snap would be good for that horse because you're always relaxing going in. I wouldn't probably hurry that horse out because I want that horse to relax. So I probably just do figure eights easy in, collected, and then maybe a little bit more extended leaving, but not really a, a chargey or fast exit unless they're just really stalling out but you could do D pattern. Um, but fluid transitions on the figure eight pattern would be awesome for that kind of horse to teach them to rate going in, have collection in good form around, and then extend out, um, extend leaving. So, um, that would be a good idea. Um, and then I want to talk about two hands versus one hand. Um, Absolutely, ride my young horses two-handed uh, between the barrels. Um, if I have a horse that's over bendy, I may ride them two-handed around the barrel. But I don't want to get dependent on two hands for too long. I want to be able to go to one hand around the barrels. So it is important that I practice my drills and my circles one-handed. So D pattern's a great one to ride two hands in the big D and one hand in the little D. Um, All lefts, all rights would be a great one for that. Um, Because you don't want your horse to feel every time you go to the horn that they're just going to turn that barrel wherever you went to the horn at you want to separate rate and turn. But again, helping babies uh, keep their lines straight between the barrels, or if you need to help rate them, that's always good to be that way. Um, A lot of times you can ride your open horses one-handed and stay out of their way and just let them work. Um, But if you are going to compete one-handed, you should practice drills one-handed. But I would highly recommend you practice the way that you compete. So if you ride two hands between and one hand around, practice your dry work and drills that way from your straight lines to circles. So it becomes natural that you're riding 80% body, 2% hand and 18% with your legs um, and just make it part of your muscle memory and theirs. So, um, so if anyways, if you, um, some horses, will, if a rider makes mistakes, I mentioned that a little bit, if a rider makes a mistake, some horses will work despite the rider error. Others will not. But if you teach them their job and they know their job and you ask and then let them try, there's a chance that if you overdid something, maybe overrode, sat too soon, got handsy, rode nervous, um, sat late, whatever, kick too much. Those kind of things, a horse might work despite you. They might say, no, dummy, you know, this is where we rate and where we turn. I'm going to ignore you. Now, others won't. They will uh, hit a barrel or go buy a barrel because they're like, well, you said, you know, and they'll do what you said. So, it is important that you teach them their job and make it a team event. And hopefully, if you have a smart enough, athletic enough horse, they'll be like, mm, "That's not right. This is where we're supposed to be," and they'll do that for you. But again, um, you know, I've had Briscoe save barrels for me when I put her in a bad position. Now, if I did that on Bell, I would be taking a barrel out and usually my kneecap along with it. So you know, so it isn't, you know, every horse is different. Some horses will work despite you, some horses will not. Um, And that's why it's so important that you're a team in your slow work. So um, keep that in mind. And um, uh, I think that's why it's so important to me to have a horse that's really soft and and broke, and fancy broke, has a lot of buttons um, from their face, you know, neck, shoulder, you know, they should direct grain, neck grain. Um, they should move shoulders away from pressure, you know, hips in and out, you know, they know what it means for inside leg, outside leg, scissor legs, all of those things are really key when you're training in your slow work, um, away from the barrels, in your, uh, just your foundational work, whether it be a dry work or a drill, you um, and just keep that up because I will tell you this. um, if, if you do your foundation work, if you do your dry work and you do your drills, it will make barrel racing easy. Now, I will also tell you, do not ever go to the barrel pattern before you have those things solid because all you're going to do is teach a horse really bad habits. So if your rider cues lack, if your horse's foundation lack, go get regular lessons, go to clinics, spend more time uh, practicing and not competing, spend more time on your foundation, your dry work, your drills, and less on the barrels. Um, You know, 80% of your time should be spent on suppleness, collection, you know, things like that, and 20% on the actual pattern. You know, Get a horse that's really in tune to you and build on that teamwork and I think you'll find that you'll have a whole lot better success and future and also be able to reach your full potential. So that is key. I've seen horses that didn't have the best start in life that never really reached their full potential and I've seen horses that had an amazing start that maybe could have been an average horse but became an, an excellent horse because of the start that they had in life so so that is really important your foundation is everything it's no different than building a house on a poor slab if the slab crumbles the house crumbles no matter how pretty the house is so do not take the foundation work for granted Um, You will go back to basics your entire career. My clinics are based on that, going back to basics. And a lot of writers are like, but I want more advanced. And I can give you advanced. And I can give you more um, specialty things. But you're still, no matter how advanced you are, you'll go back to basics. There's a funny saying about all the beginners want to do the advanced. And all the advanced want to do the basics. That's because the advanced know how important it is how after you compete, your horse becomes untrained, whether you're a rainer, a cutter, a jumper, um, a barrel racer, whatever you do, your horse comes a little untrained after competition. You have to go back to the basics during the week and get them refocused and retuned. And, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy trail rides and pasture rides and just some, you know, change of scenery, get out there, but you can also do some of your tune up out, out in the uh, woods and out in the pastures. So, So anyways, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you found this podcast helpful. And um, please check me out for clinics this year in 2022. I will be having clinics in Lady Lake and Keystone Heights once a month. And um, the Keystone Heights, I only take four to six riders. The... uh, Lady Lake is a covered arena and I take 12 because there's a lot more expenses renting a covered arena and tractor and all of that. Um, So reach out to me if you're interested in a clinic. Um, I also have private lessons seven days a week, morning and evening at my farm in Keystone Heights. I have a special price going for people who take more than two in a month. Um, versus people that I only see every few months because I can help you progress faster and we can keep our lessons to a shorter time and get more accomplished. Um, And the teamwork is already there. Also, uh, I have a Facebook virtual coaching group. If you're far away listening to this podcast and can't get to a lesson or clinic, you would love my group. Um, I can look at your videos of training and competition that you send me, put them in slow motion and, and write with them, write on them with a pen and show you rider cues to change or horse's position to change, offer you things to improve on, all of that. And that's a monthly fee or annual fee, however you want to do it for that. Um, And just look me up on Facebook, Tina Spangler TLC or TLC Barrel Horse Training um, in Keystone Heights, Florida. So thank you for tuning in. As, as always, ride with heart and God bless.